Hey everyone and welcome to the CVM Ireland podcast. Here at CVM we are a search and rescue agency seeking to see men's lives transformed through the power of the gospel of Jesus. We help churches all over Ireland and beyond try to achieve this and help us guys as we journey every day in our lives following Jesus. We want to let you enjoy our recordings from our 2019 DNA Men's Conference, which took place in Carmoney. Uh, it happens every year as we gather hundreds of men from all over the island of Ireland and beyond, as we worship, as we lift up the name of Jesus, and as we encounter him and get the grips with the challenges he lays out to us as men. So sit back, relax, and be blessed. Hey man, good morning. You, you know, he introduced me, but but I uh, just you want, need to give you my real title and name. I am the most holy Reverend Richard Porter. Just a little. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I tell you what, we're going to start here, and we're going to start by singing a prayer because all the Psalms were prayers. So much of them, they sung them in the temple. Let's start by singing a singing a prayer that was very popular in the 1960s. That's when I got saved. Is that okay? Stand on your... I'm I'm sure most of you will know it. You heard of Janis Joplin? Amen. So you know... Can you see it? Okay. One, two, three... Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amens. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? One more. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Dialing for dollars is trying to find me. I wait for delivery each day until three. So, Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Amen. You may sit down. Now, do you feel like a better person after singing that? I know this is probably, I guess this is probably the first time this was ever sung in a, in a Presbyterian church. To tell you the truth, we don't sing it in my church either, but it wouldn't surprise me if we do someday. But for the record, I, I, didn't, put, I didn't have us sing the third verse on the night on the town just to protect our sanctity a bit. And I, I do apologize to the more holy men among us who found maybe singing this a bit disturbing. We probably all just need to lighten up a little. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'll tell you the truth. I don't know if there's, I think there is joy in the camp today. But I'll tell you something. There's a lot of joy here in the pulpit this morning. <laughs> That's, that's the presence of God, isn't it? Uh, you know, we're going to be talking about prayer, but can we just say one more prayer? Just bow our heads and can we just say, Dear Lord, 
Jesus, you are reality itself. You hold all things together by the word of your power. You created it all. And here we are, Lord Jesus, and we come to hear from you, but we just don't want to hear words. We don't want to just get new knowledge, Lord. We want to encounter you. We want to know your heart. And we want to be about your business. Fill us, Lord, and help us to hear today. Father, we can do nothing. Holy Spirit, come and do your work. In Jesus, in your holy name, for your name's sake, amen. Amen. Today, uh, I'd like to talk about prayer, but I also want to talk about intercession and how we move from prayer into intercession. For our families, for our towns, I'm going to move just a little bit because I'm being blinded by that light. For towns or cities or island, you know, who held up the arms of Moses when they were in the wilderness fighting the battles? And it said that he had, he had, people had to hold up his arms so they would win the victory. I would say it was the intercessors. Who hears Jesus knocking on the door of the church saying, I want to get in? It's the intercessors. Who opens the door to let the Holy Spirit into to a church or congregation. It's the intercessors who calls heaven down to earth and ushers in the floodgates of revival. Throughout history, we see it is the intercessors. It's not just the people and the men who pray. It's those who who learn how to intercede. Is this making sense so far? Who stands in the gap for this nation? The intercessors, who are the watchmen who give God no peace day and night until he makes our nation his. It's the intercessors. No intercessors. There's a lot that won't be done. And there's so much that God wishes to do that won't happen unless we stand up and learn how to even move from just saying our prayers to becoming real intercessors of God. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? That's a prayer. It's not an intercession. It's maybe not a comfortable prayer because it is kind of raw. It's it's real. It's, It's an honest prayer. Sometimes we react to this kind of honesty Because it just doesn't sound like that good old time religion that I'm used to. If this video doesn't work, I'll move on. It's not. Sorry. I'll skip that part. But a lot of times when we pray, we use all kinds of words and language and we want to get it right, especially when we pray together in a group. And we don't always, and it's nothing about that. And you know what I, w- I would say? Sometimes 
we don't see answers to our prayers because we aren't raw, we aren't real, and we aren't honest enough with God. Sometimes we surround our prayers with so much religious rhetoric and cultural bias that we, that we never really fully expose our hearts to God. And this is what prayer is. It's an encounter with God. And let Him see who we are and to let Him know what we really want. A lot of times there's desires in our heart that we don't pray because we think they aren't religious enough or aren't right. And we think asking for a Mercedes Benz is crass and perhaps unspiritual. But boy, you listen to some of the prayers in the Bible and, and, and the Mercedes Benz prayer is really tame. King David, this is a prayer. This is a prayer they put the song to song in the temple, in the Psalms. Tell me if you've ever sang this prayer in your church. Oh God, break the teeth in their mouths. I'm going to sing it. Oh God, break the teeth in their mouths. Let them vanish like water that runs away. Let grass, like grass, let them be trodden down and wither. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime. That was a prayer of David. That was raw. (laughs) That was real. And probably quite disturbing. And that, that is a prayer they would sing in the temple. Here's a, just one more example. Psalm 69. You could almost wrap this one. A prayer of David. May their best friends be trappers who will skin them alive. Make them become blind as bats. Give them shakes from morning to night. Blast them with your red hot anger. Burn down their houses. Leave them desolate. Pile on the guilt. Pile on the guilt. Pile on the guilt. Don't let them off the hook. Strike their names from the list of the, limit, of the living. You ever sing that in your church? <laughs> I never saw that in the hymn book. Number 249. Let's blast them. <laughs> There are, many, there are many more prayers like that in the Bible. And, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz and a color TV is quite a tame prayer. But, again, it's just a prayer. It's not an intercession. And I would say perhaps a lot of our prayers, sometimes we pray and we feel like, like the heavens, like the Christian cliche, the heavens are like bronze, you know, and you're wondering, am I ever getting through to God and my prayers? Where, why don't I see the answers that I want from my prayers? And I would say in one place, it's probably because we are praying lame. And we aren't being real with God, and we aren't being raw, and we aren't exposing our hearts. Because sometimes I think we're afraid to be honest brutally honest with God nothing surprises him and when we sang that that prayer by Janis Joplin maybe some of us here really meant it (laughs) maybe it was 
Lord, I really do want a Mercedes Benz. But I never quite asked you for one, or maybe a Bentley would be better, you know. But we need to be brutally honest before God. Now, now, you know, and especially about our sin. We have to be so honest to God about that. And you know, I don't need to list sins or even talk about the sins. Us men, we know that the, sin, the sins that, that plague us and the way we are. But ever, have you ever prayed this way? Lord, I keep doing this because I really like it. Be honest. I do this. The only reason I'm even asking for forgiveness is because you disapprove. Be raw, be real. God, really, I wish it wasn't a sin. I wish it, I wish it was, it, you, 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 you said this is a good thing to do. I wish I could do it without guilt. And deep down, Lord, I don't want to change. But I know I can't follow you if I don't. This is where I am, Lord. Do your work. Just an example. But that's still just a prayer. And it's not an intercession. But, but we got to be so real with God. And, and you know, when we are, I think, I think that's when you'll start finding answers. And God's working with you. Because you know what he says? He says, all right. Now you're being real with me. Now we can get somewhere. Come on, let's, let's walk this path together and I'll walk you out of this, but let's do it together. Praise God. And that's how we get closer to God. That, you, you know, that, that's how we begin to pray. Our prayers become deeper. Well, we often pray, don't we? Lord, I want more of you. I want to know you more. I want to love you more. I, I want to grow in you. And the place to start is our prayer life because that's our connection with God. If we aren't praying, we aren't connected. It, 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 it's like we have no relationship. But, but in our prayers, we got to be brutally honest because God can handle it. We need to be real and not get caught up in a lot of Christian cliches. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that kind of praying. But, but, but sometimes it can become such a habit that, that, that there's no reality in our heart for what we're saying. Jeremiah, he, was, he, he prayed, he interceded, but his prayers were, were so, so real. He said, he said basically, it's my paraphrase, he, he said, God, you said, said you would be, be like a flowing brook to me, like, like, you know, we would say in the New Testament, rivers of litter, li living water flowing from me. But, but he said, you become to me like a dried up stream. I think you lied to me. This is the way Jeremiah prayed. He said, I think he lied to me. And he says, you tell me to go out and preach this word. And all, all that happens is, is people hate me and beat me. You know, and Jeremiah was a young man. He said, he said I'm not even allowed to go out to parties. I'm not e I don't even have any friends. Everywhere I go, I'm despised. You said you'd be, be the living brook, but all, all you are is a dried up stream to me. And he said, and, and Jeremiah said, I'm not going to do it anymore, Lord. I quit. That was so honest and so real and so raw before God. God lifted Jeremiah up, and the first thing he did is put a fire in his heart. 
And, he, and then Jeremiah says, but Lord, it's burning within me. Your word's burning with me, in me. I can't help but continue with you and speak your word. But it was the honesty that brought the fire. Hallelujah. God loves you guys. You know, sometimes I just sense a rush of love. <laughs> when, I, when I look at, at people and, and, and when that happens, I, I just know that that's the heart of God. And I'm just telling you, I'm sensing that now. And he's just saying, I love you so much. Just throw that out there. But there's a big difference between a man who prays and a man who intercedes. This is what it looks like. I could picture prayer like this. You pull down the covers on your bed. You fluff up the pillow and you crawl into a nice, warm, cozy, soft bed, hoping God will tuck you in. And, and he comes and says, everything is going all right, son. Hang in there. That's a picture of prayer. You okay so far? But on the other hand, a picture of the intercessor and a picture of intercession is being pushed into the desert, hungry, tired, and beaten, then laying down on the hard, cold ground, placing your head on a rock, wrestling with God, and you saying, either grant my request or kill me off right here, God. You know, many prayed that way in the Bible. You see it all through the Bible. That is an intercession. In the church, we have more praying people than we do intercessors. And, and I just, we need more intercessors. And, and moving from prayer to intercession is a process. It's a process in our life. It's an interaction between us and God. Because, because what we're doing as an intercessor is, is, is we're receiving the heart of God. And when we receive it, we feel it. We know it. We empathize with, with the person or, or the city or the nation that, that we are what we are praying for. You, you know, it, it's almost like this. You know, the, in Jeremiah, you know, God is the potter. He goes to the potter's house and he was talking about Israel. But it's like us, a potter. The, God is the potter and he's working with us on the wheel. And, 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 and we just have to keep surrendering. I, I surrender God. I surrender God. I surrender now. And he keeps working and says, well, this, this we all heard a little here, but I'm going to make this into such a beautiful pot. And, and we go, whatever it takes, Lord, I surrender, God. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. For your name's sake, I surrender, Lord. Change me. Make me. I don't want to just be a man who prays. I want to move into your heart and really change a nation and change this world, change my cities. And I can't do it without you, Lord. And I can't do it just saying my little prayers. And I'm tired of crawling into the comfortable bed because that ends up being mediocrity. We, we want to do something for God. A man of prayer would ask God to save the people of Antrim. Good prayer. I'm, I'm not saying anything's wrong with prayer. And God answers prayer. And I'm saying that's a good prayer. Lord, save the people of Antrim. 
but an intercessor will hold on to God and pray, Lord, you save the people of Antrim or put me down. And I'm not stopping or praying. I'm not stopping or, or anything until you do something, Lord. Whatever it takes. John Knox, you know, the Scottish reformer. His prayer was, Lord, give me Scotland. Big vision. Give me Scotland or kill me. That was his prayer. Revival there. Intercessors' prayers. Lord, save them or let me suffer their fate. It was such an identification with, with what we were praying for. And, and, and the prayer even went as far as, Lord, if you're going to send them to hell, then send me with them. That's the heart of an intercessor. It's how the, the apostle Paul this is a prayer he prayed, and I find it even today. I, I, I haven't come to the place of being able to pray this with real sincerity. And you could tell, tell such strong language, and he really wants to get this point across. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. Why did he, he bring that out? Because he's saying... If, if I don't clarify this, you'll think I, I'm just giving off, off a, a little bit of talk or a cliche or something. But I tell you, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. This is a reality to me. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow. This is the heart of an intercessor. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. And what he's saying here is, Lord, if there's any way, if, if it would mean me going to hell and you saving them, I say, yes, Lord, I will go to hell if you will save them. Do a work in the lives of the people, of my own people. This is the, the heart of an intercessor. I'm sorry, it may sound like I'm yelling. I'm just trying to reach the, the back row there. It's how Moses interceded. He said the same thing in Exodus 32, 32. Moses went back to God and said, this is terrible. This people has sinned. It's an, an enormous sin. They made gods of gold for themselves. And now, if you will only forgive their sin, then he says, but if you don't forgive their sin, if you don't listen to my prayer, if you don't forgive their sin, then erase me out of the book you have written. He's saying the same thing, Lord if you're going to send them to hell, send me to hell with them. If you're going to kill them off, kill me with them. And that's the heart of an intercessor, that they identify with what they are praying. There's a big difference between interceding and just saying prayers. Is this okay? Praise, praise God. I sense the Lord here. 
In Acts chapter 7, we find Stephen being stoned to death. Why? Because he went out and he was preaching to the people there about Jesus Christ. Saul, the unsaved Paul, Saul was there. He instigated it and he, he said, said, we're going to stone this Stephen guy. So all the people, you know the story, they came and, and laid their garments bef- at Saul, the apostle Paul's feet before he was the apostle Paul. So, so they'd have, you know, so that wouldn't get in the way for their throwing arm. And, and then they stoned Stephen to death. He's kneeling there on the ground, all welts on him and, and bleeding and everything, covered with blood and dying. If that happened to you, you went out and talked to somebody and, and started witnessing to them, and then they ended up beating you up and knocking you on the ground and we're going to kill you. I wonder what would go through our hearts. <laughs> We, we really don't know until it happens, I think. But, 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 but it's the preparation of the life that brings us to that point. But, but some of us would, would be so bitter. Some of us would be so angry. Some of us would be wanting to pull out the guns and shoot their heads off. You, you know, that's the way we are. But the heart of an intercessor, Stephen being stoned, prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out and that that verse cried out it was such an emotional explosion from him and what would that emotional explosion be would it be lord like david prayed strike him down (laughs) no he prayed lord do not hold this sin against them now what i would say is if he prayed that in his home or in the or, or in the, the prayer meeting at, at our church, if he prayed, Lord, Lord, forgive them, that would be a very good prayer. God, God would be very pleased with that. That is a prayer in the comfort of our home or our church. But what made this into an intercession is that he was out there pleading for their souls and dying for the cause. And he was preaching to them. And still at the end, we see that when he was preaching to them, he loved them. Because when they killed him, the love came out. Lord, forgive them. The heart of an intercessor has the heart of God. God answered. And God answered that intercession. We know two chapters later, Jesus appears to Saul, who, who told him to, to stone Stephen, he appears to Saul, knocks him off his horse, and blinds him quite miraculously, and makes Saul or, or Paul into the man of God Stephen was, was becoming before he was stoned and cut off at a young age. We probably wouldn't have had an Apostle Paul if Stephen hadn't interceded at that stoning. We wouldn't have had an Apostle Paul if Stephen at the end said, smite these evil people, Lord. We would not have an Apostle Paul. There's a difference between a man who prays and a man who intercedes. And and we want to see a change in this nation. We need more people who are, are intercessors and grab a hold of God. Not just praying for people. 
we had saved them, Lord, or send me to hell. That, that, that was the prayer of Paul. Just another example. Sorry, you can't see it too well. You know, Isaiah 53 is, is a chapter, you know, that, that is all of us from the beginning of Christianity, we, we apply as a messianic prophecy of Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross, Isaiah 53. And in it, he says in verse 12, he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Now, what was the intercession? It was more than just a prayer. That's why he said he didn't pray for the transgressors, but he interceded for them. And what is the prayer Jesus prayed from the cross? You know it. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The heart of love was already in him before he went to the cross. And that, and what made that an intercession was that he wasn't praying it in the comfort of his, of his bedroom, kneeling beside his bed, and he wasn't praying it in the church prayer meeting. But he was up there dying for the sin of the world, bearing the sin of everybody. He identified with the human race. He took their sin upon himself. He took our pain, bore our suffering. That's the intercession. And this is what it means, I would say, to stand on your knees as men before God. Stand on our knees for our towns and our families and this nation. You know, God is doing so much in this nation right now. So, so, so sometimes, sometimes we need the eyes to see it. If we just look in the physical eyes, we don't see it. But I see so many people awakening to, to the gospel and awakening to, to wanting to hear about God almost everywhere I go. I feel like I'm walking in constant revival every day. And, and I, I believe God, God is saying, you keep, you keep praying for revival, and that's good, and we shouldn't stop. But, we, but, but when revival really came, it wasn't because of the people who prayed for revival. It was the people who interceded and said, said, move in this nation or kill me off, Lord. Amen. You know, this is what it means when Ezekiel, you know the verse, most people do. God said, I, I looked through this earth. He, he said, I'm going to destroy this town. Sorry, I didn't write down the reference. He said, I'm going to destroy this town. And, and what he was saying is, I really don't want to but I have to judge him. And he said, but then I looked for one man, just one man who would stand in the gap for me for this town. He was looking for an intercessor. There were a lot of people praying, but he was looking for an intercessor who would give their lives. And, 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 and then he says, I looked for the man. It, so, he said, so that I will not have to destroy it or judge it. The very next verse, it says, but I didn't find anybody, so I destroyed it. He didn't want to destroy it. He was looking for someone to stand in the gap, the intercessors. 
I think sometimes it, we need to just thank God for the intercessors of the church. You know what? The good things we see happening today is because of those who prayed last generation or the generation before. We're riding on the waves of their prayers. And if we want to see an escalation, it's going to be on our prayers and our, and, and our intercessions. I, I'm a retired pastor now, although I opened a prayer retreat home, my wife and I, and we're still quite busy. You never really retire. I just retired from doing that thing. <laughs> it's more than just a thing. But, <laughs> but I, was, uh, when I was pastoring two years in, in Manchester, then four years in Glasgow. And at Glasgow, our church church was in Parkhead. I think they call it paradise. It was anything, anything, anything but paradise. There were so many heroin addicts. They had more drug deaths a year there than the rest of Britain combined. It was incredible. And but when I moved there, my my flat that I lived in, it's just a two room flat. I wasn't married yet. It was on the third floor at Parkhead Cross. You probably don't know Glasgow. But it was like five major roads all intersected right there. The mall, the forge was a block down the road and everything. And right there is this big hubway. And that, that's where my window was, a bay window on the third floor. And every morning I'd get up and look down there, there'd be hundreds of people milling around. And when I first arrived there at, at the church, the first thing I'd do every morning, I'd stand before, before that window and I said, Lord, let me see these people through your eyes. Help me to love them like you love them. And, and I prayed that every morning. You, you know, that, that was the main thing of my prayer. And I started a prayer meeting in the church Monday to Friday. It went on for four years. I was only there for four years. For the four years, from Monday to Friday, 7 to 8 o'clock every morning, praying for the nation. But in, in a lot of the, it, we were praying, but not really interceding. And, and this is where God started to show me something more about this. Because one, one night, uh, when I was there for about six months, this girl comes in a, after the evening service. Everybody was still there in the church. But she came in and just said, said, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. She was 24 years old. Her name was Susan. And, and she came in and, and we started talking. And, and she would just... I. I I, I, I was sitting down, and, and she was just pacing back and forth all the time, really distraught. And she, she, said, she said, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. She wasn't a Christian. She, she, she said, I'm on heroin, and, and I can't get off. And, and I have been, and, and I OD'd four times already. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. I don't think I'm going to make it. And she was praying like that. And I, I said, Susan, we will do everything that we possibly can for you. And she said, I got to go now. But in two days, she gave me a time and a day. Can, can we meet and talk more? And I said, yeah. And I went there to meet her and she didn't show up. But that's, that's a drug addict's life, really chaotic. And then I get a, a phone call from a pastor down the road. And he said, and, and, and he said to me, Richard, uh, um, I was talking to Susan the other day, and she said she met with you and talked with you. And I said, yeah, 
yeah, I, I, I went to the meeting place, but she wasn't there. And then, then he said, well, I just want you to know that she, is, she died and she had OD'd. I can hardly talk about this. And he said, would you want to help take, take part in the funeral? And I, I said, yeah, I'll do that. And I went and, and took part in the funeral and all our drug addict friends were there, you know. And um, at the end of that service, it was the worst funeral I've ever been to. I, c- I could hardly contain myself, you know. And um, at the end, I, I said to the pastor, man, we got to do something about this in this area because the churches weren't doing anything. And, uh, and but, but here, here's the point. What, what I found is from that time on for about three and a half years, this is the honest truth before God. I'd stand before that window up in my flat and I'd look out at the people. I couldn't even get a word out of my mouth. So I, I would just stand there weeping. And, and, and that, that went on for about three, three and a half years thinking about it. And then the whole church, which wasn't involved at all with drug addicts because we didn't know what to do with them, at least most of the people, you know. But we started praying for, for the drug addicts. And I started basically interceding. I would meet them on the street and invite them into my flat. And, uh, you know, they'd end up going in the other room and stealing something. It was broken into twice. The door broken down. It was all this, this stuff going on. But, man, if the love of God is in your heart and you're, and you're interceding and you, and you sense that love, it doesn't matter. You, you Take it all, man. Lord, will you save them? That church now, just to say, from all those prayers and all that went on there, that church now is doing such a great work. I, I used to go to that. I used to go in our congregation, and they didn't like it so much. Sometimes I'd say, "I would just love to see our balcony full of prostitutes. I would love to see all the alcoholics and all the drug addicts in here, so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ." And and I would love to see it that we, as a congregation, could embrace them and love them. Like I say, at, at first, it was a scary thing for everybody because they were, they were just middle-class people, you know, and they usually came in from outside the area. But, but, but now, now that church, it is full of drug addicts who are getting saved. It is full of the alcoholics and the prostitutes. And this is their main work now, embracing the whole community. But, but why did that start? Not, not just by what we did. It's the intercessors, the intercessions that bring the change and invite God down. I, I tell you, you hear about the stories of the old revivals. Praise God Almighty. I'm going to skip a lot of this. The old revivals, the Hebrides revival, you know of it. I, I just love the story because it inspires me so much. Two old ladies. They were bothered because no young people were coming to the church. And they started praying. And they prayed, I think it was two nights a week, like from 10 o'clock at night to 2 in the morning or something like that. And they were praying for a move of God. And then they thought, thought, man, we shouldn't be doing this by ourselves. We should tell the pastor what we're doing. 
So, so they told the pastor, this is what we're doing. We're praying for a move of God in, in, our, in our church and community. Will you join us? And the pastor said, yeah, I'm going to do that. So he got the elders of the church, and they went to an old barn um, twice a week just to pray for a move of God in, in their church and in their city. But then it began to turn from prayers into intercession. And one of the guys, guys there, there said, you know, all our praying isn't going to amount to a hill of beans <laughs> unless we come to God with a clean heart and pure hands. And, and, and they said, they said, as soon as that guy said that, he fell like in a trance on, on the ground and God was doing a work. They weren't used to that kind of thing. But, but, but God, God just, just <coughs> broke in and, and did that. And then, and then they decided, well, let's do something. They felt of God. So they asked Duncan Campbell to come over. They wanted him just to do a preaching series, a revival series um, for two weeks. He ended up going there, and he stayed for two years. And the, the thing was, when he came off the boat to, to, for, for the two-week, Duncan Campbell, they, the pastor said, can you just come to the church and just give a word tonight? And, and so he, he said he was tired and hungry and just wanted to go to bed, but he said, okay, I will. And he went to the church. It was about nine at night. And, and he gave a word, and, and at the end, you know, he said, amen. And, and th- then he says, he, he said that, that he sensed the spirit there, but, but he just, you know, it was nothing really special, like, like revival, fire bursting. And then that guy who fell over in that barn, he was at that meeting, and, and, it, and it, they, he said he just went out into the middle of the aisle and he got down on his knees and he said, oh God, you said you would come. You said you would do it. And he prayed for the Lord to come. And then the, it was that night when they closed the service and the usher goes to the back door or, or the front door and he opens the door. And then he runs back into the church and says, man, you got to come out and see this. And they went, Duncan Campbell and them went to the front door. There was 600 people. 600 people standing in front of the church. And they opened the doors and they started coming in. Duncan Campbell said, when I walked back up to the pulpit, I had to be stepping over people. He said there, I, there was a, a, a teacher kneeling on the floor, and she was saying, oh, God, is there mercy for me? Oh, God, is there mercy for me? This is, born, this is the kind of work that's born out of intercession, not just saying prayers. Stand as men. You know, he went back and... And preach. They said said that they were all at a at a dance hall, and all of a sudden they all felt such conviction. They thought they had to go to the church. There were, there was elderly couples in their beds, and they felt like they had to get up and come to the church. That revival spread, and thousands were saved. Not just in the Hebrides, but everywhere. There were boats. You know, you carry the presence of God. The boat that came from the island that, that had the revival, you know, they experienced the revival and was going, it would pass the boats that were coming from England and that that hadn't been to the revival yet. As soon as those boats passed, 
the people that were coming started falling down and the spirit of God was upon them. This is, and this is what we carry. Intercessors carry the presence of God because they have the heart of God in them. And when you have, have the presence of God upon you, things happen and you don't even have to open your mouth. I'm, I'm going on too long here. Oh, not too bad. <laughs> I wish I had another 10 hours. <laughs> Dear Lord, you know, I, I'm learning something about the presence of God. Can I say this? You, you know, I, I work as a chaplain at the Dock Cafe in the Titanic Quarter. I don't know if you know about it. I, I can't explain it right now. But um, one day, I do devotions with the volunteers and, and prayer in the morning before we open. And, the, and, and as usual anymore. I just sensed the presence of God so strong that day. So I, I, when the doors opened, the place filled up. We get about 400 people a day through there. It filled up really quick. And, and I, as a chaplain, you know, I just walking around between the tables, not talking to anybody, but I was just praying, Lord, Lord, do they sense your presence like I'm sensing it? You know, I was doing it in my head. Is it, do you work this way? Do they sense your presence? Can you show them how much you love them? Did it for about 20 minutes. Then I walked by the dishwasher. His back was towards me. And, and I went by and I, I, I said, Lord, Lord, d- does Joe sense your presence like I am? Do you work this way? Because I was thinking of Peter and his shadow. It wasn't his, you know, his shadow. You walk by and the shadow would heal people, but it wasn't the shadow. It was the presence of God that Peter carried. It's just that close proximity. Things happened. And um, he wasn't even praying for him. But I, I did that by the dishwasher. Lord, can you show Joe how much you love him? Can, can he sense your Holy Spirit like I am? Do you work this way still? And I didn't get an answer right then. But then when my wife and I, were, she volunteers there too, were going home that night. She said, said, Richard, you know, Joe, the dishwasher told me a strange story today. And I, I said, what is it? And he said, I was standing there at the dishwasher. He's not a, he's not a Christian yet. And he never came, came to the prayer meetings in the morning because of that. But he said, I was standing there at the dishwasher. And he said, all of a sudden, it felt like somebody took a bucket of warm water and poured it on my head. And he said, it went down on my body. And he said, I never sensed anything like that in my life. And it was such peace. And then he said, I turned around to see who poured the water on me, and there was nobody there. But that was God saying, I do work this way. Man, you get in with me, you become an intercessor, but but not just that, you carry my presence, things happen. You carry something, and it changes the land, it changes people. I'm sorry, I... I, One more quick one. Um, At church... We were at church one morning. Always oh, sensed the presence there. And, uh, and, and, and they said, you know, turn around and shake the hands of somebody near you. And I turned around and there, and there was a, a woman there who I didn't know and she had a little girl with her about seven years old. 
and, and I, when I turn around, I usually try to shake the hand of the parents first. But that little girl just caught my eye, you know. And, and I just held up my hand and smiled at her and said, oh, welcome, you know, and, and all of this. And she responded and smiled back and shook my hand. So it, it, it's just a natural thing, wasn't it? But, you know, she, she gets my email address and emails me the next day and says, Richard, I just felt like I should tell you this, but, but when you shook the hand, that, that was my niece, and she is seven years old, and she has been so abused by her father and men that she was totally freaked out whenever a man gets near her, that, that she would even run behind my skirt any time a man came near. And she, she said that morning when you shook her hand, and she held out her hand and smiled, smiled that 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 she never do before and 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 then then she said said i feel like there was a real healing in her and and she said 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 the little girl says i want to go to that church all the time <laughs> why It's the presence of God upon us. We need to become men of intercession, not men of prayer. If we want to see this nation change. Oh, my main point I'm not getting to. I'll do it anyway. Um, I, I meet with a group of intercessors every Thursday, not not every Thursday, once a month at my house, about eight of us. And we were praying and we always pray for the nation and we pray for the government like we all do. I am not a political person, so don't take any offense to anything I say here. But, but as we were praying, I, I felt like God say so clearly, the answer for this island is not the government. The answer for this island is the church. But we look to the government and we expect the government to sort out so many of our problems when when God is saying it is to be you guys that are the answers to these problems. Uh, Amen. There's... I like you. (laughs) Can I just, I feel that God has been showing me this for years, and then I'll stop after this. And you can agree or not agree. I feel like like God was saying, since the Belfast Agreement or the Good Friday Agreement, whatever we want to call it, took place, there was a change in this land. The, the, there, there was a governmental change, but, but also when things like that happen in a nation, we read in Daniel and other places, that means there was also a change of the spirits that, that were ruling o- over a nation. There was a change here. But the thing is, Jesus said, I go and I cast a demon out of a man. And then the man walks away clean. But he doesn't put anything in the place. 
He, he doesn't fill up the empty space. And, and, and he says, so that spirit that was cast out comes back again. And he sees the house all clean. And then he says, come on, guys. And he brings in seven other spirits worse. And then he comes in and takes over again. I think sometimes we are at that place as a nation. We, we are at that place of gap. And he's looking, who is going to stand in the gap? Who is going to fill this space? And we could think about the government, but it's not the government. It's the church. And the church, we, got, we are the answer to abortion. We, 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 there's enough wisdom in the church to sort all of these problems out. But we will never fully get there because we are so divided we do our own, and they're all good things. We do our own things in our own corner. Jesus said, a kingdom divided cannot stand. Well, the kingdom of God will never fail. But boy, we won't have the full anointing. We want a revival spirit. It's not for us all to become the same. It's, it's let the Baptist baptize. Let the Elam prophesy. Let, let, let the other churches do what they do. But let's do it together. Somehow, let's share our resources. Let's think of plans to, to where we can really fill the gap and be the answer and not looking to someone else or government to do it. And, and that has been my intercession for years. And, and, and my wife, wife says, says, that will never happen. <laughs> you know what I say? I don't care. I'm going to pray it, and I'm going to dream it, and I'm going to believe it. And I'm believing that one place, I, I would just say, wake up any, anybody who's, who's here. If, if just one town with all the churches get together and not just pray with each other, that's just the baby steps. But really work out, how can we do this together to change the culture of this town and this community? And if we do it together, there will be enough resources, there'll be enough wisdom, and there'll be the hand coming to Ezekiel and the dry bones. Isn't it? Can these, we don't have much time to pray. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, I don't know. And then he says, we'll prophesy over them. He, that, that was an intercession. And he's, the bones started to jiggle. <laughs> and they started to come together. They were all separate, but they started to come together. And then the sinews came, and then the body came upon them. And that, then it says, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit came in greater power. A church united even in one town, would be a witness to this whole world that, that would show them and tell them, hey, this is how it can be done. This is how we can reverse 2,000 years of division and show the, the world how the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Elam, the Charismatics, and everybody could do it together. And then the world will look on and see, ah, oh, that's what God is like. By our love for one another. <laughs> Got one minute. You, you know, we're going to stand and pray, but, but I'm going to say anytime. See all these guys stand around you? The, the, these, this is the prayer team. And they're full of love. And they want to pray for all of us. And if anything stirs you, even from this morning, Lord, I need an awakening. I need a breakthrough. I need something in my heart. Go and pray for them because they are waiting to do so. 
throughout, throughout this day. Let's stand. Holy Lord, you did it and you are doing it. You are doing your work here, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are revealing the heart of Jesus Christ. You are revealing the heart of a good, good father. Oh, Lord, we love you and we reach out to you. And we we, we just say, Lord, you know where we are at. You know what we are like. Have your way in us, Lord. Throw us on the potter's wheel. And, and we just keep saying, even though we don't understand even, Lord, Lord, we, we just say, say, yes, Lord, I surrender, Lord. I surrender, Lord. I surrender. Yes, beat that lump out of me. I surrender, Lord. Whatever it takes, Lord, make me an intercessor. Make, make, make me into a man that, that will stand for this nation. Not, not just in... In words, Lord, Lord, make me an intercessor, Lord. Many are called, few are chosen. It says, it says God, 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 and how it works is God looks, looks, he says his eyes go to and fro throughout the earth. And he's looking for someone he could show himself strong through. And he's looking and the call goes out. Who will stand with me in the gap? Who will intercede for this nation? The call goes out. Many are called. But then there's that one person that stands in that whole crowd and says, raises their hand and says, me, Lord, send me. And then God goes, I choose you. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been blessed by today's teaching. For more information on our ministry and everything that we do or to get in contact, head over to our website, cvm.ie. Hope to see you soon.